How many here wish you had the powers that he had at the end of that trailer? Amen. I mean, we could handle life that way. Or, or maybe life for you has been a little bit more like the beginning of the trailer where, you know, things are just not going well at all. How many this morning, if you were to be really honest, I mean, really, listen to this. How many of you have ever had a terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day? Raise your hand this morning. I mean, be honest with yourself. Okay, we know what it is, you know, to have a bad day. Or maybe you've had a terrible, horrible, no good, very bad life. And I, I don't know what you're going through right now, but I know this, that sometimes, you know, things happen and it seems like they, it's a sequence of or maybe a culmination of maybe some technical things that have gone wrong. And it seems like sometimes when when something breaks, like the washing machine, then something else happens. And something, someone once said that things happen in three. Has anybody experienced that at all? That when it seems like when one thing goes wrong, then something else goes wrong. Maybe it's a culmination or a sequence of bad decision making. And you've just kind of made one bad decision after another bad decision. And, and maybe this kind of leads to heartache. And then in the midst of the heartache, you're just wondering, why in the world am I feeling so empty in life? I, I remember visiting with somebody as I was listening in a counseling session to them. And they said, Pastor, it feels like I just have this, this black hole on the inside of me. There's, there's this emptiness. There's this black hole. There is this, there is this something that is missing in life. And I shared with them, you know, the best that I could. But I, I recognized this morning that, that so many of us, we, we come to a place in life where that is happening. That there is something that is missing in life. And, and, and then we fall into this kind of rut sometimes, I think. And, and it may not be true for you, but sometimes we, we fall into this rut where trying to fill that emptiness. We, we try to fill it with everything but the, the main thing. And we fill it with things and we try to get stuff. And we get these things that we want that we think that will make us happy. Or, or maybe it's friends that we want and we try to get these friends. Or, or maybe it's even money and we, we try to get money or we try to get you know success or whatever it is so that we might feel happy. But as time goes on and the longer that we live, the more that we learn that all these things that we think will make us happy really do not make us happy at all. Because there is something that is missing there and that God-shaped hole, God created us that way. There is something missing in that God-shaped hole and there is nothing that can fill that hole but Jesus Christ. We recognize that. In fact, Jesus is trying to communicate that to the woman at the well in John chapter 4. I trust that you have the word with you this morning. Let's go to John chapter 4, and we're going to pick up there in verse 1 and look through verse 14 there. And Jesus is really addressing, you know, a woman that's at the well, but a woman that, that, that probably was the master of emptiness. I mean, you'll understand as we look at the text. So let's read the text together this morning. Now, Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John. Although, in fact, it was not Jesus who baptized, but his disciples. So he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now, he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Joseph's well was there, and Jesus... Tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. 
Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and we, he would have given you living water. Now, I imagine in my mind's eye that, that her eyes get a little bit bigger at this moment. I mean, I can imagine the questions that begin to spin in her head as Jesus is talking about this thing that is, this thing that is called living water. And he says that I would give you this living water if, if you were to ask. And so she responds, sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Precious Father in heaven, I thank you for the word this morning. I thank you, Lord, that you know our situation right now. I mean, every one of us. And there's not one here that is not known by you because you created us. You knew us as you formed us in our mother's womb. And Lord, with that, there came design and plan there, there came a will, Father, that is your will. And so, Father, I pray for that one this morning. I pray for that, that man or that woman today that is just, maybe there's questions in their mind. I pray that you would just answer those questions and give them, Lord, direction as we think and ask the questions that this message will bring to our mind. So, Father, I thank you for the hope that we have of everlasting life. But, Lord, we thank you for the promise of everlasting living water. And we pray and we ask all these things in Jesus Christ's glorious name. Amen. My wife and I, several years ago, we, we were in Kansas City in seminary. And we decided that we wanted to take a trip. And we didn't really know where we wanted to go. We had not lived in that part of the country. So we get this idea. We, we open up the mat and we get this idea. Let's just pick a place that we've never been and let's go visit that place. So we were there in Kansas City, and so we were just right there near Missouri. And what we decided is that we would go to, yes, we'd go to Big Spring, Missouri. I don't know if anybody's ever been. Anybody ever been to Big Spring, Missouri? Well, the thing about Big Spring, Missouri is it is, it is a location that has the largest natural spring in the world. That's right. The largest natural spring in the world. And I mean, I've, I've seen springs. I grew up in Idaho and I hiked and hunted and fished. And I, I've seen all kinds of streams or springs that created streams there in the mountains. We drank out of those freshwater streams. But I was not prepared for what I witnessed and what I saw in Big Springs, Missouri. In Big, Big Springs, Missouri, the largest spring in the world, it was the spring that was just gigantic. I mean, it was so voluminous that, that the, the amount of water was like the size of a house. I mean, it was this volume of water, the size of a house that was coming right out of the ground. I mean, it was interesting because there was no river over here. There's no river. And then all of a sudden there's this river. So there's no river. And then there's this river. I mean, it just blew my mind because it was coming out of the ground. I mean, it was just flowing like you couldn't imagine. I mean, the size, the volume of a house just coming out. I don't know how many gallons an hour, but it was absolutely spectacular. And I cannot help but think that the living water of Jesus Christ and the potential of living water that brings life has to be like the spring of Big Spring, Missouri. That Jesus Christ brings us life and Jesus Christ brings us potential like nothing in this world and anything that we can imagine. That's the promise that Jesus is giving this precious woman at the well. 
I love the imagery. I, I, I love the idea that, that the well, perhaps for her, was the well of wisdom, the well of past generations. But, but for Jesus, but for Jesus, it, it was an imagery of, of a well of water that was a living water. I, I guess the question I have to ask this morning is, is what well do you draw from? I, I mean, when you're having a terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day. And, and you say, man, things have gone sideways. I'm, I'm wondering what well of strength that you draw from. What well of nourishment sustains you in the horrible moments of life like those families in, in Las Vegas. Or the story that I heard about this morning of a, a woman that was in Las Vegas and she was dodging bullets and she was fighting for her life. And then her house burnt down North California. I mean, that was a very bad day. And when we're having this horrible and terrible, you know, very bad day, I'm wondering what what well of strength are we drawing from and, and what we are using, what are we using to sustain us in those very, very difficult times? Jesus kind of gives us a lesson here. I mean, we know that the, the disciples in Christ were they were traveling from Jerusalem that was in the south to Galilee in the north there, a little bit of context to the passage here and, and they're 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 obviously taking the quickest route you can see that if you look at it on the map and and, and yet jesus finds a way to do ministry and in fact i love the way he does it because in speaking to the samaritan woman he breaks three laws the first law is speaking to a, a woman from another race the the second law that he broke was samaritans and jewish people were not to mix or in, intermingle and that's exactly what happens here and then the third law that he breaks or the third rule that he breaks is drinking from the cup which would make jesus ceremonial ceremonially unclean as a Jewish person. And so he breaks all these laws. And, and in the midst of that, he's still, he's still revealing a story. In fact, there are two stories. The one story tells us about the width of Jesus' ministry, the width and the breadth of ministry, that Jesus is breaking down barriers and traditions, and he's crossing lines that are not supposed to be crossed. And so it's the width and the breadth of the ministry of Jesus that he gives us, that we are to have the same kind of breadth and width in our own life. The second story, the second story is the story of the, the woman at the well. The story that, that tells us that she had been with six men and now was with her seventh. The story of, uh, of a woman that was trying to find something to fill the emptiness in her life. It was a story of, uh, of a woman that was desperately in need and probably because she was from a small village was socially maybe a little bit of an outcast. A story of a woman that was living immoral, maybe. A story of a woman that was a master of feeling empty. But Jesus speaks into this and he gives us a message and he gives her a message that there is a living water that will change her life. A living water that will fill the emptiness in her life. And you say, well, pastor, how... How, how is that? I mean, how do we feel the emptiness in our life? Well, I want to share with you or remind you of four things this morning that, that, that would be good for us to remember. The first thing I want to remind you of is that God, listen to this, God created you in his image. Amen. God created you in his image. The fact is you're not a photocopy. 
I mean, you are the real thing. God loves you as you are. And there is emptiness in life and emptiness comes when we are not connected to the creator. That is our God. And, and the fact is his love is waiting on you, not somewhere down the line, but his love is available to you right now this morning. Amen. So the simple message is this, that God loves you just as you are. Just as you are, Holly, God loves you. Just as you are, Sarah, God loves you. That is the message that Jesus simply brings to the woman at the well. That in the midst of being the master of emptiness, here is the one that is the filler of that emptiness. And he's simply saying that I love you. He's saying I love you. In fact, the life of Christ continues to unfold the the, the truth that is so relevant that that he loves you. I, I love the story of a little boy. He had he had uh, taken on this this task of building a model sailboat and he had built the sailboat it was probably about this long and he had taken the painstaking time to paint it with the right colors and put a serial number on it. And he attached and glued little things on the deck of the sailboat and he built the sails and the masts and everything that was, you know, supposed to be, you know, there according to the plans in the box. And the little boy was so proud, about 10 years of age, he was so proud of the sailboat, he wanted to float it. And so what he did is he went to a, a lake that was nearby. His mom drove him there and he set the sailboat on the lake and he attached a little string to it and the wind was blowing pretty good that day and so the sailboat was kind of pushed out into the water and he had a pretty long string and he got it out there quite a ways at the end of the string and he was so proud of his creation but unfortunately what happened was the string came untied and the wind continued to blow and the sailboat was blown away and he was desperate and asking mom for help and trying to get to his sailboat he couldn't do it he lost his boat in fact the boat just went so far it was out of sight well remarkably about two weeks later this little boy the same little boy is walking down the street in their little town and he's walking by the window of a toy store and he notices right in the front of the window there in the toy store is his boat. And so he opens the door, the door jingles, it's a small town, the door jingles and he goes in, he's going through the aisles trying to find a clerk or somebody and and it was the owner of the store and he said, sir, come here, I want to show you something. He took him over to the, the window there, he said, that's my boat, I created that, I made that, that's my boat. And he said, well, I'm sorry, son, the owner of the store said as he wipes his brow. He said, I'm sorry, son, but but I paid for that. Somebody sold it to me, so you're going to have to pay for it. And so the little boy, he did just that. He went out and he swept porches and he mowed lawns and he did chores and he helped people. And he gathered enough money. And then he made his way back to the store and he pushed the door open. The bell jingled and he went in the store and down the aisles and he found the owner. He said, owner, look, I've got enough. I've got my money now. I can do it. And so they go to the front of the store and the owner lifts up the boat and and they trade. And he gives him the money and he gives the little boy his boat. And the little boy walks out the door. The bell jingles. He walks out and now on the walk, he hugs the boat to his chest. And he says, you're twice mine. I created you and I made you. But now I've bought you. I've paid for you. And that's exactly what Jesus did for us when Jesus created us and he made us as God's child. And then he went to the cross and he died on the cross so that we might have everlasting life. You see, the reminder that Jesus is sharing with the woman at the well is the exact reminder that I believe that the Holy Spirit wants to share with us this morning. That God loves you. God loves you. He loves you exactly as you are. Amen. We want to be reminded 
that we are creating the image of God. We want to be reminded that, listen to this, comparing ourselves to our to others causes emptiness. Let me say that again. Comparing ourselves to others causes emptiness. You, you see, we can never be someone else. We can never be someone else. And I'm wondering how much energy and how much time we spend worrying about that very kind of thing. You see, the, the promise is, is that God looks beyond what it is that we think we, we are, or beyond what it is that we, we've done that is wrong, or beyond the issues of life, or beyond the habits of our life. You see, God looks beyond that, and, and He sees the potential, like the, the big spring Missouri well, that the spring water is just rushing up, and it's gushing forth, and there's this tremendous potential of life. You see, that's what Jesus Christ means to us. That there is this tremendous potential of life and everlasting life. And you see, it is God that sees that potential in you. It's that God that loves you this morning. Amen. I love the response of Karl Barth, one of history's greatest theologians. He was asked once when he came to America from Europe. He had been writing and teaching. He was an academic. And so he had kind of become somebody in the academic world. And he came to America and and so the press was wanting to interview him and they were pushing in and they asked this question of Karl Barth. He said, what is the deepest? They said, what is the deepest, most profound thought that you've ever had? And Karl Barth, he paused. He looked at the reporter right in the eyes and with intensity. He said, the deepest, most profound thought that I've ever had. He says, here it is. Jesus loves me. This I know for the Bible tells me so. Amen. Jesus loves me. This I know. Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. This I know. Why? Because the Bible tells us so. You see, the danger is comparing ourselves to others because that causes emptiness. The other reminder is confessing opens the door of meaning for life. Notice that's what the woman at the well does here. I mean, just take a moment. Look at the text there. And and we may believe in general terms that that were good. I mean, I understand that. But consider what Jesus said to the rich young ruler in Matthew chapter nine. He said to the ruler, he said, teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life for the young ruler? asked that question. What must I do to get eternal life? Why do you ask me about what is good? Jesus replied, there is no one good if you want to enter life. Obey my commandments if you want to enter life. And in fact, later on, King David, or really many years before, in Psalm chapter 14, King David says, there is no one good, not even one. So perhaps our definition of good is not the same as that of God's definition of good. Perhaps there should be some concern when we look at the Gallup poll and the Gallup poll shows that there is little difference in the moral habits of those that are church versus those that are unchurched. Perhaps some of the information that the poll shows us that a survey shows us that 90 percent of Americans pray, but 87 percent of that 90 percent do not believe in the Ten Commandments. I'm wondering about that. And, and perhaps we should know in one one poll, uh, they, they report that 61 percent of Christians do not believe 
that premarital sex is wrong. Yet scripture teaches us that sin separates us from God. I mean, how are we processing this? If, if, if you see there is this sin that is separating us from God. And yet we see this culture that is kind of veering in the other direction. Then how do we process this? If there is such a thing as acts of sin, in fact, in Galatians chapter 5, looking at at verse 19, we begin to read here in this definition, this idea of sin. We read the acts of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred and discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. And so we're reading this and we're processing. How how do we process this? I mean, how do we process this? And and hopefully by understanding the Bible is full of good news, that the the Bible is full of the promises of God, that, that God is a merciful God and that God is a loving God. Hopefully by understanding the fact that God is a God that forgives us of our sin and he's a God that washes us clean of the sin in our life. And he is a God that will fill the dark emptiness on the inside. That's the kind of God that we serve. We serve the kind of God that is a savior for not only a place that is called heaven in the future, but man, we have a God that saves us for this kingdom right now and right here and today. Amen. That's the God that we serve. We serve the God that sets us free. We serve a God that gives us hope. You see, the Bible is full of these kinds of promises and good news that we need to hear this morning. So so we need to remember. Yeah, we need to remember that. We need to remember because sometimes, you see, we have to cope with great expectations going sideways. I mean, the great expectations of what we thought life was supposed to be like, and it doesn't really turn out that way. Or maybe the idea that, that the things that we think that are secure, the things that we think that, that are safe, all of a sudden, everything goes sideways. And we're having to cope with that. I mean, how do we remember that God is good when we're having a terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day, and life is going sideways, and it hurts? I, I, I was emotionally involved. Young lady by the name of Mary. I'm changing her name for her, for her um, privacy. Young lady by the name of Mary from Bradenton, Florida, where I pastored. She was a part of the teen group. So she was maybe, maybe 17, maybe 18 years of age. And she, she had gotten involved with a man on the, the Internet. And he was many, many years older than her. Sure that she loved him. She had never met him, but she loved him. And against her parents' wishes and against my advice and my youth pastor's advice, She took all the money that she could gather up and she bought a one-way ticket to Alaska from Florida to Alaska to meet this man that she loved. She gets there. He's abusive. She moves in with him without marrying him. She becomes pregnant within about three months. He abuses her, kicks her out, and says it's your fault that you're pregnant. The youth pastor and the youth group got money together enough to bring her back from Alaska. And now she's there back with us, emotionally bruised, And broken and ashamed. Great expectations having gone sideways. I was emotionally involved and moved when a man, a friend of mine, that had given his life in serving the church. And he had paid his tithe. He had raised his family in the church. He was an engineer. 
a prestigious role in that particular city and had really a fantastic reputation and been a part of two or three successful companies. And at the age of 60, decides to start his own company with two partners. He was the engineer, the, the, the mind behind it, but the two partners, they were the business, the money part of it. And they started the company and they worked that company for about five years. And now my dear friend, at the age of 65 years of age, wakes up one morning to find out that the two business people, they'd liquidated the company, taken the money and disappeared across state lines. And my dear friend who had served the Lord as a Nazarene and raised his family in the church and paid his tithe now had to face the courts for $800,000 of debt. He had just inherited his father's estate, which wasn't that much, but they took all of that inheritance. They made him take a loan out on a house, his home that was paid for, and a loan out literally on his truck. And so now at the age of 65 years old, he is starting all over again, having to take little side engineering jobs just to survive. What do you do when your great expectations go sideways on you? The story of another man, been married for 28 years, pastor of Nazarene churches and now uh, an employee at the headquarters for Church of the Nazarene. And he had been on a trip doing ministry for the Lord and he comes home one night. And I remember him sharing this with tears, brokenness, heaving. He comes home one night and there's a note on his dresser. I cannot do it anymore. I can't pretend any longer. I'm out of here. And his wife leaves him after 28 years and she divorces him. All true stories. But the reality is sometimes we're all subject to discouragement and bruised emotions. It's a part of life. Kind of like the woman at the well. The woman at the well who probably was a master of emptiness. But you see the message is the message of Jesus Christ. Like the big spring in Missouri. It is the potential of the wonderful, nourishing, overflowing, living water of Jesus Christ that fills that emptiness and gives us peace and hope for life. You say, how, how does this happen? Well, you see, for this precious woman, it was a, a path to peace. There was presence, purity, and power. Pastor, what is that? Presence. It means that she was present enough, present of mind, to repent of her sin. The scripture says if we confess her sin, that he is faithful and just to forgive us of her sin and to purify us from all unrighteousness. The presence of Christ in her life. And then what is the second word? Purity. That we're, we're in a pure state of mind, listening to the Holy Spirit, and as the Holy Spirit directs us for life. And the last one is power. That we might experience the power of God to experience the peace of God. You see, as I mentioned in my prayer, the measure of our mountaintop experience is not measured on the mountain. It's measured by how we live in the valley, how we live in the valley. I want to invite you this morning to say, Jesus, I need your help today. Jesus, I need your strength this morning, right now, that I might be able to deal with whatever it is that I'm dealing with. And maybe life is wonderful for you. But even in the midst of that, I want you to know Jesus loves you. Amen. Let us just bow our heads for a moment. Let's do that. Bow our heads and close our eyes. Precious Father in heaven, I thank you, God, for answered prayer. I thank you, Father, that in the midst of of the valley that you are present and you're powerful and you're there. And that, Lord, that, uh, that you want to bring peace into our lives. And so, Father, I pray that you would just be with that, that one this morning, that young person. 
Perhaps that teenager or that young adult right now that is saying, Jesus, I need this peace in my life. I need your presence. I need your power. And so, Father, I pray that you would just speak to that one. Just minister to their heart. Just fill that emptiness, Father. You know what it is that we're dealing with. You know what it is that we're challenged by. So, Father in heaven, I pray that you would just fill that empty space in that one person's heart this morning. Whoever it may be, our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. Are you praying that way this morning, saying, Jesus, Jesus, I want your peace in my life today. Jesus, I choose and I, I ask you to become a part of my life and to fill my heart and give me peace right now. Just take a moment. Your head's bowed. Nobody's looking around. Just you and the Lord. Just lift your hand up saying, Jesus, I, I want your peace in my life. If you're praying that way, just lift your hand for a moment saying, Jesus, I want that peace. God bless you. I want that peace in my life. God bless you. I want that peace in my life. A few of us. Somebody else. Jesus, I want that peace in my life. Feel that blackness in my life. God bless you. Somebody else. Some more. Yes. Thank you, Jesus. God bless you. I want that peace in my life. Thank you, God, for loving us. Thank you, God, for accepting us. Thank you, God, for forgiving us. I want that peace in my life. God bless you. Thank you, Jesus, for answering prayer. Thank you, Jesus, for being, Lord, the Savior of our lives. Thank you, Jesus, for bringing hope to that woman at the well, just as you're bringing hope to that young man, that young woman today. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for washing us and making us clean. We pray all these things in Jesus Christ's glorious name. Amen and amen. I want to invite us to stand. We're going to just take a moment and uh, we're going to just respond and serve communion. Pastor Jeff is going to come and give us some direction. But I, I invite you today, if something is, is just not right, right there, I invite you make it right today. Maybe during this response time, this is an opportunity for you to just make it right in your life and say, Jesus, fill that empty spot in me. Fill my heart, I pray.